Good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Levin Black. Levin, how you be on this fine Thursday? Uh, I'll be better when Monday comes and I know whether or not I got a team. (laughs) Yes, for what seems like the zillionth time, the 49ers are going to play the Rams in week four. On Monday Night Football, going to be a little weird for me to hear Aikman and Buck on ESPN, but I'm still still adjusting to it, but we'll get used to it. Speaking of them, uh, did you see what Aikman uh, said this week and then immediately apologized for? No. I actually liked him maybe for the first time. There was a player that made a a, a good play on defense, and he said that, uh, you know, that was a good play by so-and-so out of University of Indiana, you know, or Joe Buck said that. He said, uh, making the University of Indiana proud. And Aikman said, well, that doesn't take much. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have called that. said that. That's uncalled for. Instead of apologizing. <laughs> it was That's like, pretty good. Damn. Uh, I like it. Aikman off the top <laughs> rope. Very good. Yeah. All the way from UCLA. And he's still making fun of University of Indiana football. That's a good start to the program. We remind you, please rate, review, follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you take the time to leave a review, we will read it on the air. This one comes from MAGA Makes Me Gaga, five stars. Yes, it is all Kyle. Don't say things like, quote, a tiny bit of blame. That sounds weak. That sounds like local guys trying not to upset the team. Pass that on to the cold truth guy. Three first-round picks to run a guy up the middle when you've got unlimited running backs that can do the same. Sorry, this does not add up. Kyle is a play caller and a good one, but after five years, my conclusion is that he is not a head coach. Three first-round picks was to get a passer. The point was to develop a passer, not a runner. Trey simply was never allowed into the locker room club. Jimmy is in that club. You don't see any remorse from Kyle or the team. You can feel it. They aren't that upset about losing their QB1. I don't think the locker room ever bought into Trey as QB1. Love the show. Stats keep hot takes coming and mentor Mr. Quote Tiny Bit. I assume he's talking about you there. Um, thanks for the review. There was a lot in there, but the thing I want to respond to, cause it kind of takes me into my first point for the day is Kyle Shanahan's feeling some heat. I feel like for the first, I don't want to say for the first time, cause he felt a little last year too, when they were three and five, but he's definitely, the heat is picking up. It's picking up on Kyle earlier now. And I don't know that all of it's totally justified. Levin. Uh, yes and no. I mean, it, yeah. You're 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 uh year six. You you can't be going out and laying eggs and looking like they have so far this year. And when those issues are specifically on your side of the ball and you're the play caller of that side of the ball, you're gonna get more heat. Uh I don't think he as we said on the instant reacts, I don't think he has much to blame for Sunday. Uh sure, he wasn't perfect, but the opportunities were there. For a 20-plus, maybe even 30-plus point game by the offense, and Jimmy Garoppolo just sucked so bad that they only got 10. So I, I don't see how you can say, well, they lost because he had this one bad play call here, or this one uh, decision in a specific scenario that he shouldn't have done. Well, no, the, the opportunities were there for an easy victory, and the quarterback missed completely wide-open people. But Kyle is not without blame because he has continually defended this quarterback and brought him back as the savior in case something happens to Trey Lance. And that blew up in his face. So he does deserve some uh, criticism for, I would say, not necessarily the coaching, but the all the other stuff. Yes, I would agree with that. 
I don't think that his play calling is worthy of criticism. There were guys open. He I mean he got his number one option, Debo Samuel, wide open multiple times in the game. Like that's what you're paying Kyle Shanahan to do. And he did that. He can't throw it himself. What I think you can blame him for are one, continuing to stick with certain people because he definitely has his guys. I mean, it is clear. Jeff Wilson, first among them. I mean, Jeff Wilson, outside of two runs in that game, did largely nothing. Jordan Mason came in, had one carry, seven yards, was a nice carry. He can't see the field. He can't see the field because Kyle has his guys. So I definitely pin that on him. And he still cannot manage a football game. He can't do it. He clearly needs help. He needs somebody else to come in and show him that there is another way to do it. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that, but I mean, he has repeatedly shown to make the same mistakes again and again and again, and it's costing the team. It's weird because it's like the one spot that he's not arrogant, (laughs) right? He's too, he should be more arrogant. It's weird because he's kind of seen as a new, new age coach because he was so young and, and all this. But when you really think about it a little deeper than the surface, he's an old school coach. He's a old school coach's son. He came up through that. He runs the exact same system as that coach. You know, it's been around since the nineties. If you want to go and say West coast, Bill Walsh, then you can argue eighties, but I think Mike Shanahan's a little different um, with, especially with the run game, but it's an old offense and he has a lot of things that he is very old school in his approach. And I think it's just because he, you know, he dresses younger, uh, you know, and is in and into kind of all that hip, hip kind of culture that people think he's in more of an innovator and kind of would be somebody that goes forward and forth down because they look at the analytics of it. I don't think he's that big into analytics. I, I really don't. I think he's I very agree. much an old school coach. And it's just when you look at him, you don't see that. But in all of his decisions, that is what he is. And you need to think of him in that way. I totally agree. He coaches like it's 1985. Ben Baldwin yesterday tweeted out something. He's uh, on Twitter calls himself the computer cowboy and he has all these uh, charts and graphs illustrating what teams do managing the game. And he tweeted one out yesterday that said it was the rate at which teams have made the correct, according to the analytics decision on fourth downs that they should go for dead last on the chart, the San Francisco 49ers all the way at the bottom of the chart. And it's like, just, I don't know why he doesn't see that when you have a really good defense, that's more of a reason to go for it, not less. Because if you don't get it, your biggest fear in the world, your defense can stop them. And how many they forced, I think it was eight, three and outs on Sunday. And so he should be going for it more because of the defense. But instead, he turtles up. And my fear looking ahead to this week, Levin, is that he's going to get even more conservative because he's nervous about losing the game. Trent Williams is not there at left tackle now. Jimmy Ward is not there. Aziz Alshire is not there. I think he's going to get more conservative. He's going to try and run it 50 times, and I think he should have the complete opposite approach. It's clear what Denver was doing. They were daring them to pass deep. At some point, you got to go out and say, all right, we're going to pass deep. And Jimmy, you're an NFL quarterback. Get it done. Go out and throw that 30-yard pass accurately and hit them deep so that the defense is back up and we can go back to our bread and butter that we all prefer to run. 
Like at some point you have to, you can't keep running the same thing. And I think that's been part of the struggles this year offensively is kind of getting into what Kyle was saying. So many offenses now run a very similar variation of what he is running. The defenses know how to defend it, but unlike some of the other teams that are running that, the Niners are very limited in what they can do in the passing game because of Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't have Stafford opening it up deep. They don't have Aaron Rodgers opening it up deep because Jimmy throws in the middle of the field and throws 15 yards or shorter. Almost every single pass defenses are more able to cheat, so to speak, in terms of stopping what that offense wants to do because they don't have to worry about the back end. So at some point, as a coach, you'll have to say, we're not going to be able to get it done no matter how well we execute. It's not a matter of guys not executing. It's a matter of the team, the defense knows what is coming, and they're cheating. Just like, you know, a defense in practice that knows the play that they're trying to do and cheats, you know. that I think that's what is happening right now. And Shanahan needs to change. He needs to change and make the defenses play him honest so that he can go back to what he wants to run. And I think he tried to. I think that was his plan going into this season with Trey Lance. I think that was the biggest change he was going to make. And he kind of talked about the offense needing to evolve. Obviously, Trey is no longer here. But fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right. He's trying to run the same thing that has not worked. They have not won a Super Bowl. You can't keep running it and expecting it to suddenly succeed. Yes, you can win a majority of your games that way. But the chances of beating top teams playing that way, I think is lessened when you play a limited version of what an offense is supposed to be because of your quarterback, the top teams are going to beat you more often. And I think that's why they get exposed in the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo is terrible in the playoffs (laughs) because once you get to the playoffs, you're typically playing a well-coached team that has at least some ability to play defense. And we did see some nice throws to the outside from Jimmy Garoppolo. He had a beautiful throw to Kyle Juszczyk late in the game, and Juice made a hell of a catch right on the sideline there. That was very, very impressive. It's not like they have to throw outside the numbers and deep every single play. You can still mostly stick with that bread and butter. You just can't do it exclusively because it's going to, even if it succeeds, it's going to be so hard because of what you're talking about, because of guys constantly cheating that it's just, there's so many other options. It's like, yeah, you can dribble one on five in a basketball game, or you could just pass to one of the other teammates that's wide open. And hopefully they do. Uh, they seem to know the Rams well. Um, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but I think that the heat is on Shanahan. I think the offensive problems are overblown because if Jimmy hits some of those throws to Debo, nobody's questioning right. Kyle Shanahan's play call. There was even a play at the end of the game that I didn't notice. Uh, JT O'Sullivan actually pointed it out on Twitter. So with like a minute and 46 left in the game, it's the last possession. Kyle gets Ayuk in the slot matched up with a linebacker. I think it's with Jewel. And Ayuk blows right past him and there's no safety help there. And it was, you could tell that there wasn't going to be any safety help very, very early in the play too. And Jimmy drops back instead of stepping up in the pocket like a veteran quarterback is supposed to do. He slides over to his right, essentially staying where the pressure was, and he got sacked, and he never saw Ayuk. But but Ayuk is running free. Your number two wide receiver in a crucial spot is blowing past the linebacker and is open for a touchdown. 
That's not Kyle's fault that Ayuk didn't get the ball. All Kyle can do is draw the play up in the correct spot, and he did. It's what Jimmy, I mean, it's always been what Jimmy sucks at. He can't anticipate. He does not anticipate. He cannot, and by anticipate, what I mean is your really good quarterbacks are capable of seeing kind of the the body leverage that a defender has yes. and being able to tell whether or not they're going to be able to turn and run with a receiver, even if that receiver hasn't even gotten to that level yet. You know, they can tell, is the safety going to be able to get there? No, because he's kind of leaning. All his body momentum is going this other direction, or he's looking this way, and they can pick that up while they're also watching the route. Jimmy has no capability of done, doing that, and he never has. That has always been his problem. He has to see it open. Once he sees it open, he's a pretty darn accurate thrower. The problem is, is he will, he cannot anticipate, and that's what happened in this game. There were multiple times that within one to two seconds, which is your throwing window, somebody was com- g- completely wide open or was going to be completely wide open in the next step or two because you could tell because the safeties had completely cheated up and were coming forward. Well, if you can anticipate at all, you see that, and you're going over the top. He doesn't see it. Never has, never will. And I think he's very quick to look off of those, too. Yeah, like, that, that that's the big problem. Like the Debo one, when Debo got completely wide open uh, after, what, four or five steps, and the safety and everybody, it was three receivers on that side, and the safety had come up, and nobody went with Debo. He looked at it and looked away before it got open. Now, yeah. he could have read the body language, seen that the safety's coming up, and known that that was going to get completely wide open, or he could have just stayed and let it develop for another half second, and he would have seen it. And so it's a really bad combo, and that's why it's always been under Jimmy Garoppolo, if Kyle is a genius and he gets guys wide open, the offense is great. If he doesn't, they don't tend to create anything. No, the scariest thing in football is Jimmy Garoppolo after he reaches the top of his drop and he hasn't thrown the ball yet. You don't know what's going to happen at that point. And as a fan, it is terrifying. He starts getting happy. You could see his feet. You could see him get nervous in the pocket because his feet start getting faster and faster and then tries to do that stupid spin move sometimes. He's a a quarterback whose confidence is shot. He might not see it that way, but his play speaks volumes. And it's been that way for a couple years now. Like I said, and like you just said, the moment he gets to the back of his drop, if it's not there, he panics. <laughs> he doesn't want to get hit. He, I think it has a lot to do with the injuries. He doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to get hurt again. He's so scared of getting hit that he gets happy feet. His mechanics get completely thrown off. He ends up throwing off his back foot. Or like we saw on the uh, uh, interception, he panics. And he just wings it to somebody that he hopes is open. He never throws it away, ever. Right. <laughs> Jimmy, just throw it away. <laughs> like Kyle said, he talked about the safety, I think, when he was saying this, but it it affects multiple plays. You can't make a bad situation worse. Maybe Kyle does call a bad play sometimes, but that doesn't give you license to just chuck it up there with a wing and a prayer. Like, just throw it away. Throw it in the dirt. Live to play another down. Jimmy never does that. If he just did that, honestly, I think that would make a huge difference. The thing that he's always needed to eliminate, and he's never been able to make that improvement, is just the really bad, dumb turnovers. If he got rid of the really dumb rookie-level turnovers, the Niners probably have a Super Bowl, and they probably don't have Trey Lance on the team. But he's never gotten rid of those, 
And then he has the other limitations on top of that. And that's why he is always right around the top of turnover worthy plays. Yeah, it's a deadly combination. Not going to lie. So um, before we get into the Rams game, I want to get into the kind of topic of the day that is sort of bubbled up that I also don't think is true. In addition to the Kyle Shanahan forgot how to call good plays is the 49ers offense is really struggling because Mike McDaniel is in Miami. And I don't think that is true either. Um, not to say that Mike McDaniel wasn't really good at what he does. He is. We had Joe Staley on a year ago. I tweeted it out. You can see it at stats on fire. He basically gives the analogy that Mike McDaniel is the guy that paints the picture on the puzzle. And Kyle Shanahan is the one that puts the puzzle together. That may be true, but the 49ers run game has been okay this year. It hasn't been horrible. It hasn't been terrible. It's certainly been better than Miami's run game, which I'll point out. But I just think that it's too easy to say, well, okay, Mike McDaniel's gone, and that's why the 49ers offense can't score any points. Like, no, that's not true. And lest I remind you, there were plenty of stinkers last year. Mike McDaniel was still with the team. So it's not like they were scoring 50 points a game last year, and this year all of a sudden it's different. So I don't buy into that narrative. I mean, it's entirely possible Mike McDaniel is an offensive genius, and yet the Niners don't lose much by him leaving because they have another offensive genius in the building. And I think I said that a couple of months ago when we talked about Mike McDaniel and coming into the season offensively. Do I think Mike McDaniel would help? Sure. Do I think it's a huge difference? No. And you can just look at the facts. I think people are overreacting. First week, you got to throw that out offensively because of the weather, period. Agreed. And if you don't want to believe that, then you're just, you got an axe to grind. Week two, offense was okay. Wasn't terrible, especially for having to replace a quarterback in the middle of the game. Week three, yeah, they were terrible. But as I just said, the opportunities were there. The quarterback just didn't execute. So how can you say, well, they really missed Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel can't throw the passes to completely wide open people. <laughs> Only Jimmy can. So I don't, I don't think you can say that. And what was Mike McDaniel's specialty? He was the run game coordinator, right? Well, the Niners are sixth in rushing despite being one and two. So I don't think you can sit here and say that they're terrible because Mike McDaniel's gone. And they're not even running with their starting running back because Elijah Mitchell's gone well, too. That's always the case every single well, year. That's true. It's weird how stuff pops up. And I think sometimes it's, it's a knee jerk reaction to go to like the first obvious low hanging thing. Like what's different? Mike McDaniel gone. Okay. That's the problem. No, not necessarily. Um, so I hope that we, you know, can help with that and sort of, yeah, I think that's part of our job on this show is to kind of separate the truth from the fiction when it comes to the narratives that pop up during the year. I mean, I think that's probably my role. Just you. That's pretty much the main thing I concentrate on. <laughs> well, no, that's my obsession. Well, it's weird how like stuff just comes up and then it like just takes hold and all of a sudden people just take it as truth. And it's like, right. no, that's that's not necessarily the case at all. And I think sometimes Kyle Shanahan tries to point that out. The problem is he's not the best at doing that. Um, like for instance, perfect example. He said that Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best throwers of the football on the planet. I don't think he meant like he has one of the best arms on the planet. I think he meant from like being able to throw quickly, being able to throw without having your feet set. I think he meant it in a certain way, but the way he said it did not come across 
in a way that it was going to be received properly. We can look at it honestly. Is Jimmy Garoppolo one of the best throwers on the planet? Yes, because he's a starting NFL quarterback. But when you say that, people compare that to other NFL quarterbacks. They're not comparing that to the population at large. They're not comparing that to every high school, college quarterback, and professional quarterback. They're comparing him to the other 30, 31 starters in the NFL. You know what I mean? And in comparison to them, he's nowhere near one of the best. <laughs> I would argue he's probably in the bottom 10 at this point with all the injuries in terms of arm talent. So it, I think it, people took it as he's comparing him to Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes and, and Mahomes and all them. But in reality, he's saying, you know, amongst even NFL quarterbacks, he's probably a decent thrower. The problem is that <laughs> uh, there's a heck of a lot of terrible quarterbacks in the NFL and very few good ones. Well, and the fact that, like, there's so much more to the job besides throwing the football. It's footwork. It's managing the game. It's decision-making, when to throw the ball, where. To, like, it's not just a matter of the physical process of getting the ball from point A to point B. Uh, so it all goes into the stew. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll dive into the Rams game. It is week four. It is Monday Night Football, and it's a big one for the Niners. We are days away from week 4-11. You know what that means. Monday night football for the Niners. The Rams are coming to town. You know, hold on here. It's Thursday, so week 4 is here. There's football tonight. Yeah, I know, but I don't Ugh. care about You're supposed to be the it? host. Dol- what is it? Dolphins and Bengals, <laughs> right? I think on Thursday night. Is that what it is tonight? Sounds right. You know, I wouldn't mind if Mike McDaniel lost this week so we could just, like, cool the yeah, Jets a cool little. I know. Everybody's like I, – I saw a tweet today from one of the NFL, national NFL uh, Twitter companies, whatever you want to call it, Fox or CBS. I forget which one. Mm-hmm. But they, they literally posted side-by-side side the 1972 Dolphins who oh, started God. 3-0 and the, ni- the 2022 Dolphins who started 3-0. and And it's like there's no comparison there. Can we just wait? Can we wait until we're a month into the season? Like, damn. Well, it wasn't even like the offenses scored about the same amount of points, which is not good if you're scoring as many points as in 1972. Right. Uh, There was not an offensive juggernaut, by the way. Uh, It was a good offense, but not phenomenal. I mean, it had didn't have a starting quarterback for most of the year, and but the points allowed was like nowhere near. So it's like this isn't even like stats that are all that close what, what are we doing here and i don't like i'm not trying to poo-poo mike mcdaniel because i like him and i'm we, happy we have enough team. negative crap we don't we don't need another thing from outside of the organization now at this point <laughs> well i just want to point out that i mean he took over a team that won nine games and ten games in their last two seasons so it's right. not and Tua like, was very underrated like i made that argument that I, I didn't get why Tua was seen as like this guy who had been terrible in his first couple of years he hadn't been great but he had a really low turnover ratio and he like was pretty accurate. He wasn't terrible, but I never got that. So now that he has a good offensive coach, it's not surprising that he's doing well, even though you can still see some of the limitations. All right. Enough about the Dolphins. This is a 49ers <laughs> podcast. It's Rams week 11. And it seems like every time the 49ers play the Rams, they have to save their season. It's been the last four times that they have played the Rams. The NFC Championship game, of course, a playoff game, so your season's definitely on the line. Week 18, where they had to get in that one, 
The week before, uh, the time before that, when Jimmy Ward had the two picks in the first quarter, their season was on the brink. Then it's like every time they play the Rams, it's like a swing game for them. They have to win. Otherwise, the season is going to go down a dark, dark path. And here we are again in week four. Yeah. And I, I want to say something to the people that are saying it's no time to panic. You know, they can start one and three and be just fine. They were two and four or three and five at different points last year. I get what you're saying. You know, they'd still just be two games under 500, just like those times. But I do think that this is completely different. The scenario has changed. You're you're at a point where the team has failed multiple times to get over the hump. You're at a point where it's not just rumors that they didn't want Jimmy and they don't think Jimmy is good enough. It is a stone cold fact that they decided to move on from Jimmy and they wanted him off the team. And then he fell into their laps as a backup. Because nobody else wanted them, wanted him on their team. So I think that there there is a difference this year that with the way Jimmy played last week, and he took no accountability again, which you actually starting to get flack for. If he comes out and doesn't do well yet again, you lose to a divisional rival, a team that you know your path to a championship almost definitely goes through, because that's who you have to beat in the division. And there's a good chance you're going to be playing them in the playoffs if you both make the playoffs. I, I think there's a there's a difference there where the confidence wouldn't be the same. Last year they never lost confidence. You know, we heard that when we were talking to Use Check a few what it was like week five or six that we were talking to him. Yep, before that game. Right. They they never seemed to lose confidence. They still knew, hey, we can beat anybody, and we're going to go out and do it. I think this year's different. I think there is some doubt there. Hey, we lost our starting quarterback, even though. You know, we didn't know what he was. The guy that's now here, we know we can't get it done with. You know, I think those thoughts would be creeping in their mind if they fall to one and three and they lose to the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year, who now has a two-game lead over them in division. I, I think it, I think it, this season is different. It has to be. It has to be. You got to have at, a little... at some point. You're either crazy, <laughs> right, or you have to admit that you're not good enough with Jimmy Garoppolo and. That is what I think you would be hitting that point if they lose this game. And I think they have a good shot to win it, honestly. Yeah, I do too. I'm just like, you're either delusional at that point or you start to doubt. Let's just stick with the positive, okay? Let's let's talk about the positive because I think there there is a path for them to win this game. I think they're going to rush the hell out of Matthew Stafford. I think the 49ers are going to be able to get pressure on him whenever they need to. And I don't think they're necessarily going to have to blitz a lot of people. I think that front four, even if Eric Armstead doesn't play, I mean, they have been phenomenal this year, just rushing four, let alone if they bring anybody else. So they are going to get after Stafford. And we know as much as we complain about Jimmy Garoppolo putting the ball up for grabs, and it's true, so does Matt Stafford a lot. And he's doing it again this year after leading the league in picks last year. Why I was never a big fan of his. He's always been that way. He's always been a jump ball thrower. If he's pressured, we will have opportunities to turn the ball over. And I think that's going to be massive for this game. Cause I don't think the offense is going to be able to do much. If the defense can just generate a couple of turnovers, possibly on a short field and set it up to where the Niners don't have to go eight, nine, 10 plays down the field to get points just like we saw in that first game against the Rams last year. I think it's going to be massive, 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 and they're going to have chances to do it. We just need guys to actually hang on to the football. Jaquaski tart I, I think this game, 
in my opinion, is a very obvious uh, scenario of who wins. I think both defensive lines are going to be able to wreck the opposing offensive line. You know, Trent Williams isn't in there. I I think you you got two completely inexperienced guards that are going to be dealing with Aaron Donald, you know, and their help is Brendel, who's not, you know, he might be a six-year vet, but he hasn't started many games. Well, uh, Uh, I think Brunskill might be coming back. Yeah, well, we'll see. Brunskill. I don't don't think Brunskill enters the starting lineup. Even if it could be interesting. So uh, I think both defensive lines are going to be able to get lots and lots of pressure on the opposing quarterback without having to blitz. And what it's going to come down to is which one of these quarterbacks who are amongst the worst in the NFL at turning the ball over doesn't turn the ball over. Whichever quarterback doesn't turn the ball over is going to be the one on the team that wins. I think that's what it comes down. I don't think it has to do with what offense can move the ball or have the big play. It has to do with what quarterback is going to turn the ball over least. And we honestly don't know, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it depends. I mean, maybe led the NFL in interceptions last year. He also had 40 plus touchdowns, but right. And it maybe comes down to which defending team can hang on to the football. But here's what I want to see, because we know what the Niners are going to try to do, right? They're going to try to get the ball out quickly. But like, what are their solutions beyond just a bubble screen to Debo? That's what I want to know. Where are the get, slants? Get the ball in the hands of your best playmakers. Nick Wagner had a great tweet from ESPN. I don't know if you saw it, Levin. In the second half against the Broncos, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle combined combined for two touches for five yards. That that can't be. And I, I get it. There were turnovers or whatever. Like, no, that can't be. Jeff Wilson cannot be getting the ball that much. Or Jordan Mason. Either one. Like, no, 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 no. Everyone talks about all this offensive talent the 49ers have, and they do, but they can't use it. They don't get that advantage unless you get the ball in their hands. And what I'm worried about is because of the problems on the offensive line, Kyle's going to have to use Kittle as a blocker because he's not going to have any choice, which takes him out of the game immediately. So like it makes it even harder to get the ball in the hands of those guys. Plus you put, you put Jalen Ramsey on Debo Samuel. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now the 49ers don't have this huge offensive advantage. You know what? I, I wouldn't mind seeing, but I, I don't think it will ever happen because we haven't seen him much from Kyle Shannon. Uh, while Trent Williams is out, he's a two tight end set. So you can move Kittle around and use that second tight end to be the blocker, you know, and move him around and allow Kittle to be more of a receiver. But I, I don't see that happening. You know, do what Kansas City does. Put Kittle out wide and treat him like a wide receiver. On That's what I say. Yes. Put him in the slot. Like Kyle. Innovate. Right. Realize that blocking is still the second best thing that George Kittle does. And I know he's really good at it, but he's also incredible as a receiver and with the ball in his hands. Let him do it. You're paying this guy to be one of the highest paid tight ends in the league for a reason. And it ain't his blocking. Like, just, I just feel like they have to, have to do it. Just put them in a slot, run some slants, do something like that. But it can't just be run, run, and then if it's third and long, screen to Debo. Like, that ain't going to get it done. No. And they need a big play. I don't think they've really, truly had, like, that one big play on offense this year. They haven't had the, you know, 50-plus. So I'm just forgetting something, but. You know, it's been a rough season. A, a lot of things I want to forget. So, uh, But last year, they had that constantly. 
I mean, Debo had 77 catches, but 1,400 yards receiving because he was constantly breaking free. Haven't seen that. Now, is that the defenses adjusted in the offseason? And they decided that all we have to do is prevent them from getting that one huge yak play? Could be. Yeah, I don't know. Debo had the 150-yard run, and that's really the only oh, – yeah. it's the only good run he's had all year. Other than that, he's basically been bottled up. Well, I think it's Kyle's telegraphing that crap. Oh, he's alone in the backfield. Unless they're around with Debo. <laughs> well, he has used him as a out of the backfield as a receiver a couple of times, which I like. Good. Like, because you have to switch but it, it up. went to him in a screen type manner. Well, they tried to go That's over the I middle. Mean. Like, if he's alone in the backfield, Debo's getting the ball. Keon Debo. Got to use him as a decoy some. Maybe put him in the backfield with another running back in like more of like a pro set. You know, to where... He can be a decoy and let the other guy get the ball to the complete opposite side that Debo goes. I wouldn't even mind putting Debo in the backfield, handing him the ball, and then having like Danny Gray come around on a reverse and give it to Danny going the opposite direction of Debo and use some of that speed. I feel like we forgot that Danny Gray was even on this team. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kyle has forgotten that he's on this team. That's your doghouse. Yeah, maybe Danny Gray is in the doghouse. And you know what else I was surprised to see last week? Diamador Lenore was the nickelback. Samuel Womack was nowhere to be found. I couldn't believe it. And and Lenore didn't play that bad, but like we all thought Samuel Womack was hot shit coming out of the preseason. Coming out of the first two weeks. We made mention of him every week because nobody mentioned him during the game because he wasn't allowing anything. Uh, it was shocking. Uh, part of me wondered if maybe he was late to a team meeting. Like I, I can't see somebody playing really, really well in weeks one and two and then suddenly not getting any opportunities to play in the nickel, that same role. I mean, he played special teams, but he didn't play nickel in week three. Like, that doesn't happen just because all suddenly Lenora was better in practice for a week. Something happened, in my opinion. Uh, something relatively minor, but enough to where they pulled the trigger on that. Um, but that that's going to be maybe the toughest position to play this week because Cooper Cup is constantly in the slot, and the nickel guy has to cover him. And last time it was Kwan Williams, and it was slot fade, slot fade, and they just crushed the 49ers. So yeah, you're right. That's going to be interesting to see who gets that who gets that job this year. But like, Cup's going to get his yards, I would imagine, for the most part. Although it was hella nice to see Mooney Ward when Russell Wilson dropped back and tried to throw that back breaking moon ball that he always throws. There was Mooney Ward, just just enough, just tipping it away, and it was like. Wow, like, okay, I think we got something here with this free agent signing. Mooney Ward looks good. Yeah, uh, he is a true shutdown corner. Finally, thankfully, <laughs> Josh Norman can stay retired. Yeah, yeah, we don't need you, Josh. Stay <laughs> home. It's okay. We're good. We are good. So I don't want to believe that they, I, I mean, I want to believe that they can turn it around, but I, I also don't want to get hurt again. <laughs> what do you see coming for this game? I don't know. This game, I'm just going to be brutally honest. Anybody making a prediction for this game, it's just trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat with no practice of being an actual magician because you have no effing clue what Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be. And with not having any clue of what he's going to be, you have no clue what's going to happen in this game. I will say this. I think they need average quarterback play. If they can just get mediocre average quarterback play, 
The Niners will be just fine this season and in this game specifically. Problem is, is we saw much, 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 much worse than average quarterback play this past game. So you don't know what you're getting. I think what they need is a spark. They need someone because we know what it's going to be. They'll probably get a touchdown early and then things are going to kind of bog down at one point in the game. And it just seems like there's nobody this year who's able to give them that spark, that pop. Offensively, you know? yeah. Yeah, so many times last year it was Debo. It was just give the right. ball to Debo and boom, he breaks off a 15-yarder, a 20-yarder, a 40-yarder, whatever the case may be. He's not having that same success this year, and they just don't have anyone to give them a little bit of momentum. Instead, it's a Jimmy Garoppolo fumble or a Jimmy Garoppolo interception or Jeff Wilson fumble. Like They're giving the momentum to the other team. They need someone to say, hey, that's it. I'm making a play right now. We saw Russ do it eventually last week. Who is it on this team that's going to say, you know what? I'm making a play. Forget the game plan. Forget whatever the call is. I'm going to do something to put this team on my back. And I don't know who it's going to be. It's got to be one of the three main receivers, meaning Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. One of those three got to break, break free and just go. That, Like I said, that hasn't really happened this year. And I think you're seeing it like they have not had that play that just kind of breaks the back of the defense. I don't think you're going to see it in the run game unless maybe Jordan Mason is truly something special because that's just not Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson, he's not doing terrible. He's doing exactly what you expect. I think he's averaging like 4.6 yards per carry. Now he's had, you know, a 37-yard run kind of inflated that some. But he's a guy that's going to go out and, you know, get you four yards of carry every game. He's just not a guy that's going to break one free for 60-yard touchdown. He's not that guy. He's not, a, he's not a freak. He's just a very sound, you know, decent athlete. That, you know, among his NFL players and certainly running backs, I would say he's a below-average athlete. But he's very sound. He follows his blockers well, and he doesn't make mistakes other he's, than his fumble. He's the kind of player that you love to have on your team. You As a backup. Don't, yeah. You just don't want him to be your starter. If he's your starter, you're in trouble, right? right. It was like I was the type of guy you want to be the backup where he can come in for a handful of plays a game and you know he's not going to screw everything up. It's what I used to say about Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne's a fine player, absolutely fine wide receiver, definitely a place for him on your team and in the NFL. If he's your number one wide receiver, you're screwed. It's the same thing with Jeff Wilson. There's absolutely nothing wrong with him as a player. There's just nothing great about him either. And we don't know that Jordan Mason is going to be great, and he probably won't. But there's only one way to know. we got to see it. And so hopefully he gets into the mix a little more this week. In terms of a score prediction, I don't see the 49ers. If they score 17 points, like I, I think that's where they're going to be. Maybe 20 points, maybe if the defense can get them an extra turnover. The real question is going to be, can D'Amico Ryan's boys continue this absolutely historic start that they are on I kind of think that they can. If they score, if the Niners score 20, they got a shot. Yeah, I think that's going to be the line all year. If the Niners score 20, they're almost definitely winning. And that's where they're at. Not, you know, I was going to ask you, I think that's a good way to transition. Do you have any Super Bowl hope? No. 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 I got like the slimmest slimmer. And it's only because there's a recent example, and it's going to take a there's going to have to be luck involved. 
no question about that. But you got the twenty five or twenty fifteen Denver Broncos. They threw nineteen touchdowns to twenty seven interceptions. <laughs> and by yeah. the way, Peyton Manning threw nine touchdowns to seventeen interceptions that season. It was a lot of Peyton being absolutely terrible. Sorry, it was. I'm getting two different teams mixed up. It was nineteen touchdowns to twenty three interceptions. Not quite the as bad as I said, but nineteen to twenty three is abysmal. You know, Jimmy's never been that bad. Now, do I think they can do that? If Jimmy can do that, the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl? No, I think it's got to be a little bit better than that. That's, to me, almost like a unicorn season. But I do think that they have a defense that's as good or better than that Denver Broncos one, which yes. is a really good one. I, I When I orig- originally started looking at things, I was like, I, I don't think you can sit here and say, oh, the, the way that they win a Super Bowl is the 2000 Ravens. No, you can't say, hey, the way they win the Super Bowl is to have the best defense of all time. No, I, I don't <laughs> think you can quite go there. So I thought, well, I'm gonna. What about that that Buccaneers team? You know, they didn't have quite historic defense, but they had like one of the best ones. You know, yes, it was only two years after the Ravens, but it was one of the best ones of the 2000s. You know, I think if they can have a really good defense, that you know, in their running with the Legion of Boom and that 2015 Broncos team or the 2002 Bucks, I think they have a chance if Jimmy can get back to being average. And by that, I mean they have a slimmer of chance of doing it if they have a Jimmy Garoppolo of, say, like last year to slightly better than last year. And do I think Jimmy has a chance to get there? Yeah. Do do I think it's a very good chance? No, I think Jimmy has regressed, and I just don't think – I think his body's beginning to betray him. It's possible. I'll give you that. I just – I can't even begin to think about that right now. Like I just beat the Rams. Like See, we'll I am it. somebody that if I don't have Super Bowl aspirations, my mindset towards games changes completely. You know what I mean? Like it's not the wins and losses don't matter to me, but it's that I'm more evaluating the players and, and thinking of them. Do I want them on the team next year? You know, if I don't right. think there's any chance of winning the Super Bowl, that's my mindset. Who's going to be, who do I want to be here next year? But just, I mean, there's so much crap that can happen between now and then. It's not, it doesn't even matter. That's how I'm always looking at it as, do they have a Super Bowl chance? And then everything builds off that in terms of how I watch games and my mentality as a fan. So I'm always thinking, do I think they have any chance whatsoever winning a Super Bowl? Right. And we don't know. Like, look. Things could look a lot different. If the Niners can win this game, they'll be two and two. They'll have two games coming up against Carolina and Atlanta that look definitely like winnable, winnable games. Then it gets a little tougher with Kansas City and the Rams again. They got to play the Chargers, we know. But look, Justin Herbert's got broken ribs. Those are not going to be totally healed by then. He's going to be a little bit compromised. I mean, New Orleans looks like a dumpster fire, which I kind of predicted they would. The Miami game maybe looks a little tougher, but like it could be a different NFL world even one week from now. So let's just focus on this friggin' Rams game, man. Win this game, get to two and two. You'll be in a nice spot in your division because you have a win over the Rams and a win over the Seahawks. And, and you go, let's go from there. But, but just look competent offensively this week. And that, that could be enough. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the offense that we are accustomed to seeing under Kyle Shanahan yet this year. And I don't mean go out there and dominate, but I mean just super efficient in the run game. And then when they need to pick up the third and four, third and five, they do 
a majority of the time. We haven't seen that at all. We've not had a game where it looks like a Kyle Shanahan offense. And hopefully he gets it figured out. I know he's going to be in the lab this week. And hopefully he does. You know, the crowd's going to be rocking. Maybe to be good for the team, to get back in front of the home fans. And, you know, sort of maybe they, the fans are the ones that can give them that little bit of juice that we were talking about. It could very well be. Uh, we've seen them. The Rams have to go to the silent count in their own stadium. So maybe the, the faithful here will have to help out the team and give them that little bit of a boost. You know, you just made me think of something that I hadn't even thought of as a possibility. Jimmy doesn't do well. No. We're going to have boo birds. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I definitely. hadn't even thought about the Jimmy might start getting booed and the fans turn on him for good. We want Brock. We'll be getting that chant after the game. Oh, God. Let's please not just go back to that dark, dark place where the we want car game that a lot of people listening to this don't even remember because it was so long ago. <laughs> Let's not do that. I mean, it wouldn't be the same scenario, but the, like we've never really had a, a quarterback that's had the level of success that Jimmy has had that then the whole fan base turned on. So it'd be kind of, uh, I don't want to see it happen. Don't get me wrong, but it, it would certainly be a kind of like one of those, you're sitting here and watching something, you know, you're probably not going to see again for a long time. Before we go, by the way, I just want to give a little shout out to Homage, sponsor here at Niners Nation. They were very kind to us. They hooked all of us up with shirts. You're wearing your shirt right now. It's the best you've ever looked. Uh, I've got a couple of shirts. They're fantastic. They're super duper comfortable. They've got a lot of different options for you. There's actually a link in the show notes in the description to this podcast. You can click on the link right there. It'll take you right to the 49 You got a couple page. shirts? Did I'm you... going to gloss over that. We'll go right ah, to the yeah, page. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you can check out all the different options there. And it's, like I said, super comfortable and I like it. You know, I like, they got a couple different options. I don't like always just like the plain red shirt. Your, your shirt's not red. What do you have on your shirt? Tell the people. Uh, it is a graphic that looks like to me, I liked it because it looks like tech mobile. I can't say it is, but kind of looks like a tech mobile kind of graphic. And then it lists in Roman numerals, all the Super Bowl wins. Yeah. That's right up your alley. Yes, You're a tech is. mobile kind of guy. Oh Yeah. So go check out Homage. We appreciate the, all the love from them and uh, support them because they make good stuff and they support us. So if you like the podcast, go check out homage.com. Levin, I hope we're talking after on Monday night or probably Tuesday morning by the time the game gets over that the Niners are two and two and we're super stoked. And all of a sudden, the, you know, food tastes better. The sun's a little brighter, all that good stuff. I'll put it this way. Uh, I don't work on Tuesday, so... Uh, win or lose, I'll be drinking, but my <laughs> attitude towards that drink will be completely different. I won't be drinking any excess. I never drink to excess anymore, but uh, I will have an alcoholic beverage. It just, it may be one drowning out my sorrows or a celebratory one. Well, come celebrate or drown your sorrows with us after the game in the Instant Reaction podcast on the Niners Nation YouTube, Facebook, Twitter pages, my Twitch page at Stats on Fire, the thousands and thousands of you that join us every week. We love it. Levin, I will talk to you on Monday night.